Hello, Biathlon fans, and welcome to Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon podcast. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. It is great to be back for another season as we dive into one of the most diverse and exhilarating of all Olympic sports. We have a great lineup of guests on tap for the coming season to help tell the story of U.S. Biathlon. To kick things off on season four of Heartbeat, we're going right to the top with our guest today, Jack Gearhart, the president and CEO of U.S. Biathlon. For a little bit of background, a year ago, longtime biathlon leader Max Kopp moved from his role with U.S. Biathlon to become the Secretary General of the International Biathlon Union. A year later, Max is doing great at the helm of the sport. With the transition, the U.S. Biathlon Board looked to veteran Olympic sport leader Jack Gearhart as an interim CEO to guide U.S. Biathlon through the season. Jack is a highly respected leader within Olympic sport in America, having served for more than a decade with USA Sailing and helping establish a new direction for USA Fencing. His introduction to the sport came at the October training camp in Utah last year, engaging with athletes, parents, and sport leaders. And during the season, he led the organization along the roadmap of its 2030 strategic plan. The board removed interim from his title last April, and today he's entering his second season with a title of president and CEO. Today we'll talk with Jack about his welcoming introduction from the biathlon community and his work in guiding U.S. biathlon in its plan out to 2030. We'll also talk about the organization's recently announced initiative to expand the footprint of the sport into Utah, complementing long-standing programs in Maine, the national team's training base in Lake Placid, as well as the junior national team base at CrossCon in Bozeman. Now let's join U.S. Biathlon President and CEO Jack Gearhart on Heartbeat. With me today, Jack Gearhart, the President and CEO of U.S. Biathlon. And Jack, welcome to Heartbeat. Thanks, Tom. Great to be here. Uh, looking forward to our conversation. We're recording this in early September, and I know, Jack, when you're involved in a winter sport, summer is a you know a time for a break to a certain extent, but when you get past Labor Day, you start to count the days out to the season. How are you feeling right now as you head into what will be your second year in, in charge? Actually, really, really looking forward to it. The, the summer, well, well, you said it's a, it's a different different routine. We're busy. A lot of training camps. We're actually finishing up our, our third training camp with a national team up in Lake Placid. Uh, a lot of time for preparation. The tempo is different. It's not the World Cup schedule, but we're, we've got plenty of stuff on our plates. And, uh, you know, planning for the upcoming season takes a lot of time on, on everybody's part. And we're really, really excited about what lies ahead. Jack, you joined U.S. Biathlon about a year ago as the interim CEO and have uh, since then been uh, named the president and CEO of the organization. If you could give us a little background uh, on yourself, how what was your pathway into Olympic sport like? It's probably a little different than, than others. Um, I started out in sort of the business side and technology. I've always had a passion for sport, and my original sport, and still is today, has been sailing. Uh, I was in the sailing industry professionally and then got introduced to uh, the NGB of sailing, U.S. sailing, by a good friend of mine that was on the board. They were looking for um, some some marketing support at one point, and I had a, an opening in my calendar, so I started to spend a little bit of time with U.S. sailing. That turned into a full-time position back in the early 2000s to sort of develop from there. I, I So I, I came into the sport through not through you know, a, a, from an athlete perspective, but from just a, a passion for it. 
and then got involved in the Olympic movement through through that NGB. You know, it's it's been a it's been a great ride. I've I've experienced you know uh, several different sports, and uh, I I really th there's something about the, the the Olympic movement and these organizations and these communities that are uh, really exciting. There's, there's something new every day. We're going to talk more about biathlon, but go back to your sailing days, and you also helped uh, USA Fencing for a year, year and a half. But what were some of those things that you took away in working with athletes and uh, working within the Olympic movement, which has this long heritage and these really great ideals? Yeah, you know, the, the, all these organizations are very different culturally. Um, they all have you know, very similar missions, which is growing the grassroots, bringing new people into the sport, and then providing support and, you know, leadership for those athletes at the, at the top of the game. And there's something about that continuum and seeing that evolution of participants of athletes as they go through that. And I think the thing for me that's the most motivating is you just see this passion at all levels, whether it's the grassroots and the folks and volunteers that are involved at the local level, bringing new people into the sport to these elite athletes that are so committed and are giving everything to, you know, achieve their dreams of, of Olympia, Olympic success and, and getting to the podium. And just the people that are involved all along that pathway are so committed to the ideals, the sportsmanship, the inclusion, commitment to excellence. I think they're all critically important and you see the impact that they have on on society and on especially on on young kids and you, you see where sport plays such an important role in uh, in the development of our of our youth let's go back a year ago Jack and you had just concluded uh, your term as interim CEO of USA fencing looking for other opportunities and when Max Cobb had this amazing uh, offer to go and head the IBU as its secretary general. Uh, he had a lot of heritage and legacy himself here in that role. Uh, you got tabbed to be the interim CEO. And let's go back to that first weekend that you spent out in Utah in October at the team's camp. And what were some of your first impressions of U.S. biathlon? Yeah, so I was obviously very new to the sport I, uh, when I when I let my my friends and network know about my my new role, they were like, "Oh man, I love biathlon. It's the greatest thing to watch." So there's this passion about the sport from people that are totally disconnected, which was a little new to me because in sailing, you know, the the only people that were really interested in sailing and certainly watching it on television is is not that interesting unless you're unless you're a participant. Um, was just this passion and enthusiasm from from a broad range of folks. So that was one thing that hit me. And the second was when I got to, to Utah, you know, the first thing I did is I introduced myself to the athletes and there was just this positivity and I think enthusiasm on their part for the future and where things were going. You know, that was really helpful in, in welcoming me in um, as, as the you know, the support that the athletes had as, as I came on board, being new, new to the sport. And then meeting the people in the community. One of the things that I found really um, exciting was what I call alignment. Um, you know, all the different people I talked to, whether it was the coaches or the parents or the athletes, there was alignment and agreement on where they were going. And in a lot of other sports, you have different constituents and different factions and Sometimes it's really hard to get 
agreement on a common goal. And one of the things that stuck out to me right away was there's just this, everybody's looking at the same North Star, if you will. Um, and, and as I said, they might have a focus and a passion on a different part of that pathway there, but there wasn't a, you know, a, a, an argument over whether we should go right or go left. It was, that's where we're going. And the other part was it's, it's, um, it's, it's a smaller community and there was a lot of openness and enthusiasm, I think, for new ideas. There wasn't this, uh, we've tried that, we can't do that, it doesn't work. It was like, I felt, um, even though I was new to the sport, there was a, a, a real welcoming of me coming in, bringing some different perspective. It was almost like there was a clean piece of paper to work from with a lot of people that were looking for how do we how do we grow the sport? How do we achieve these goals? So there's there was just this sense of unified community that was, like I said, ex- exciting for me and encouraging. Jack, as you went through the season, did you find that that carried on and you had similar experiences throughout the year? Yeah, I I, I really did. I think whether it was I, I had a, the opportunity to spectate on a on a World Cup. And I went to some local events and there was, you know, everybody was aware and, you know, informed of, of the pathway and what the different parts of the sport were trying to, to do and to, to accomplish. I, I didn't get different messages from the different communities that I interfaced with. There was always a consistency in here's what we're trying to do. Here are the things that we think are going to help us be successful um, and there was a real openness, I think, to the involvement of U.S. biathlon. And, you know, in, in a lot of these NGB communities and sports, the governing body is, is not always held in, in high regard. It's more of a bureaucracy that creates roadblocks. And that was there, there was a real interest in, yeah, we, we need support and you are open and you're listening and you're going to be a really good partner for us. And that was a consistent theme and message across the board. It's like everybody wants to help each other succeed. You and I shared some time in Antholtz last January, which is regarded as one of the most prestigious of the IBU World Cup biathlon events. What, what were your takeaways in seeing the sport at its highest level in a venue like that with thousands of spectators around me? What did you take away from that opportunity? A couple of things. One was just the energy that's there. Um, and you can see why it is such a popular sport. Um really looking forward to building that fan base and helping build and being part of building that fan base here in the United States. But just the the energy that's there, the dynamics of the game is incredible. Um, and it's something that you can touch. And, you know, the sport and the IBU do, does such a good job of presenting it. They, they use data really well, so you can understand it quickly. I mean, like I said, coming into the sport for the first time, you know, I, I caught on pretty quickly to be able to understand it. And um, I think that's something that's really powerful. The other thing was just the positivity of the community and how it was just together. And so you, you're sitting watching these athletes come into the range, the stands go quiet, and it doesn't matter if it was a Norwegian or a U.S. you know athlete, or a French or Italian, there was this praise and, and applause when they hit, and there was this sense of ah oh, when they missed. And it, it, it again, it didn't matter. We were in Italy, 
And you you felt the same reaction to any of the athletes coming in. And I, I felt that that unity was really, really powerful. I thought it was, I mean, in some ways beautiful to, to see that happen. You don't see that in a lot of sports. And then going out onto the, the course and just seeing the fans there, I was, I was standing there with my U.S. biathlon hat on, just sort of taking all this in. And this German fan came up to me and didn't speak any English, but he asked me if I wanted a beer. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm okay. But he said, I, your hat, I like your hat. And I said, he said, we're going to trade. And he had a Team Germany hat on. And I was like, I'm not going to argue with the guy. He wants to wear the Team USA hat. So we swapped hats. And it just that there's this, um, this camaraderie there that I thought was really, really powerful and, and demonstrated, I think, the power of, of sport to go beyond the, the geopolitical boundaries that are out there and barriers and really bring it down to a, a fundamental level of you know, the love for the, for the sport and the, in support of the athletes. And, and that, was, that was a really cool experience for me. You know, you've hit on some really interesting points, and it's been my experience as well over the last years that uh, it really is a well-aligned community around the world. And it's, yeah, there's a lot of nationalism. You want to see your team do well, but it really, at its root, it's really about the sport. And that's what the fans see. That's what gets them pumped. Uh, absolutely. For my, my take, that's why it's such a, a popular popular sport to watch. Jack, any successful organization needs a good plan, and we're going to talk about your strategic plan and the look up to 2030. But uh, first, just to touch on uh, your board right now, you have a very passionate board. You're having a little bit of a transition in leadership right now. But how important is it to have that kind of support behind the scenes to make it all work? In these organizations, in the NGB community, the Olympic movement, it's it's critical. It's it's one of the critical components or sort of or puzzle pieces, if you will, in making these organizations run smoothly is having a, a board that's passionate, um, knowledgeable, that brings in a wide range of um, expertise and experience and connections. Um, you know, these are all volunteers that are that are doing this for their love of the sport, for the love of the Olympic movement. You know, we're we're really lucky in in our board. Fourteen members, uh, five athletes that are either active and competing or retired, but they bring in a great perspective. One of the really important things in in running an organization like this is having resources, and the board is critical in in helping build the resource base for us. The, the thing that I found with our board, with Bob Hall and our and our and our vice chair. Um, Rachel and, and others is that we're, we're partners and, you know, we, we all know what our strengths are and they're, um, you know, they're part of the team, but they also know what their role is. And I think that's a, an area where, where some boards and some organizations get a little crossways is when, you know, a board doesn't know what their, what their lane is and, um, they, they get involved in the day-to-day management of stuff as opposed to supporting the, the management team. And, and our board certainly knows their role and they do a phenomenal job in supporting me and supporting the staff, supporting the athletes. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a really good mix. And I, I think of all the organizations that I've worked at, this has got to be one of the best, best boards that I've had the, the pleasure of and honor of working with. 
Let's talk about your strategic plan. And this actually, the origin of it predates you and you've inherited it and you've enhanced it this year together with your leadership team. But tell us a little bit about that plan and your objectives looking out to 2030. When I came on board, one of the things that got me really excited was the 2030 plan. And I've been involved in you know, three sports and developing multiple strategic plans. And the thing that stuck out to me about our 2030 plan is sort of the conciseness of it, the feasibility of it. It wasn't this long multi-page document that had all these big assumptions and broad goals. I mean, it was really clear. And there's, you know, four components to it is it's building the base, development and developing athletes, and then a world-class high performance plan. And then that all being encased in an organization that is, you know, committed to excellence, to high quality, to incredible customer and member service. And those all come together and it makes a really, really tight, understandable strategy going forward. It was developed with the input from the community, and you can tell that. So there's a lot of buy-in from it. There isn't any areas, I think, that, that don't make sense. And as we've put it into place it's, and put it into action, it's, it's, it's easy to focus. I think one of the things in these roles is you have to be focused. And it's so easy to get distracted because there's so many elements and, and constituents that are out there. The biggest challenge is remaining focused. And this plan really helps helps us do that. It's it's concise, grassroots development, supporting the clubs, athlete recruitment, junior development, you know, leveraging some of the work that's already being done out there in the cross-country communities, and then building on the the high performance uh, program that we have and leveraging, you know, the resources and the support and the expertise from the USOPC. And then, you know, the U.S. Olympic Committee and Paralympic Committee also helps us from an organizational excellence perspective. And, you know, being able to run an organization um, so that people have confidence in it, that there's transparency, that there's good communication, those are all critical to our success. You mentioned this earlier, but athlete input into a plan like this is really important. Lowell Bailey is uh, on your team, certainly has been in the lead in putting this plan together. But how did you go about getting athlete input? And and is there a, a good feeling amongst the athletes that they really have had a, a real say in developing this plan to 2030? So I, I I can't speak to the the origins of the plan, although I, you know, I know that there were multiple constituents involved. I will say you know, with with the five athletes that we have on the board, and as we go through our our strategic plan review and assessment and you know refinement, they are a really important voice on that. There's several athletes that are on the board that I'm in you know pretty frequent contact with. That I I'm I'm I feel really good that they're comfortable reaching out to me with questions and sort of probing into some areas. How can we do this better? giving me some good suggestions. So there's a, there's very much, I think, an important part of that is a really an open dialogue with the athletes, a good communication channel, and transparency on what we're doing. And, you know, that's always, as, as you work with, with the athletes, that's always been a, um, you know, a concern is how the organization is conveying and, and communicating where, where it's going and its thought process. And, uh, you know, this, this idea of trust 
is is really important. And I and I think you know my goal is to focus on that every day. And um, you know I look forward to getting together with the athletes. I'm I'm going to be meeting with them tomorrow, um, and spending some time with them in Lake Placid. And you know I just I I listen. From, from their perspective, they've got some really good insight into what we can do to be better. And we need to, we need to take that into account as we make our decisions going forward. And they're, they're a huge part of that. We're going to take a short break and we'll come back in just a moment here on Heartbeat with Jack Gearhart. In each episode, Heartbeat brings you insightful stories about one of the most exhilarating of all Olympic sports. U.S. Biathlon thanks each of its sponsors that help us bring you each and every episode of the Heartbeat Podcast. Maloya is the official apparel provider of U.S. Biathlon. Thanks to Maloya, our team is outfitted in high-quality, beautiful apparel and race gear. Not only does the U.S. Biathlon team stand out, but we race in comfortable, breathable suits that inspire confidence. Check it out at MaloyaClothing.com. As an official sponsor of U.S. Biathlon, Aarons is committed to supporting the growth of the sport in the USA. The so-called King of Snow is a global leader in snow removal equipment that keeps facilities and courses clear for training and competition. The Aarons Nordic Center in Brilliant, Wisconsin is an official U.S. Biathlon National Training Center, further proving Aarons' commitment to growing biathlon in America. You can learn more at AaronsNordic.com. As the official education partner of U.S. Biathlon, Paul Smith's College takes pride in the programs that it has established to offer athletes a college education and sports-specific training, all nestled in New York's Adirondacks. Its reputation and standing as a college aligns with U.S. Biathlon's goals to support collegiate biathletes as they strive for both academic and athletic success. From an outstanding trail network to its eight-point biathlon range, Paul Smith's College is a great environment for athletes who want a small college located in a sports-centric region. To learn more, go to paulsmithsbobcats.com. Now let's get back to this episode of Heartbeat. And we're back on Heartbeat with Jack Gearhart, the president and CEO of U.S. Biathlon. And it was fun hearing about the plan, Jack, and I urge everyone to uh, check it out and see where U.S. Biathlon is headed up on the road to 2030. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the athletic success last year and where we're heading. Uh, And I think just to set the stage, uh, uh, over the last year or so, there's been a couple of notable retirements in Susan Dunkley and Claire Egan. And I know that you're working to build that back up. But what were some of the highlights in your mind from last year and some of your thoughts going into this season? You know, last year was a, it was an interesting season, really the first full one coming out of COVID. And there was a lot of adaption to, you know, getting back to the program as it had been. Um, we, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the athletes, and, and this was across the board in the whole community, were, were dealing with um, some, some illnesses and health issues we got our hands around that and it's something we learned from last year. Um, so there were some challenges there. I think, you know, we, we did have personal bests and some great performances really across the board from our athletes, uh, both the, the veterans and as well as some of the, the up, up and coming, especially the men on, on the, on the team highlighted, I think was not necessarily on the, on the world cup, but what happened at the youth and, and junior worlds with, with Maxime capturing a bronze and then Campbell Wright, who uh, was actually competing for New Zealand, but is now going to be part of the U.S. biathlon team uh, winning gold. 
So we've got some great, great talent, young talent on the men's side. There's Foshek and and um, Vincent also as well. Uh, Bjorn Westervelt did a phenomenal job at the at the Winter University Games, and so we've got a really strong core young men's team that's up and coming. And on the women's side, as as you mentioned, we had some notable retirements of some really true incredible athletes and in, in Claire and Susan. But, you know, we, we have Deidre, we have Chloe, uh, Joanne, we've got some, some great women on the team that are providing great inspiration for the up and coming athletes and, and women. We're investing in our project X, which is, you know, the recruitment of some top talent on the cross country side. Uh, we saw some early success of that in athletes like Margie Freed, coming on board and getting out onto the IBU Cup Tour. You know, our, our men's and women's team are sort of in different cycles of an evolution, but there's there's really strong ingredients on both of them. And I think this is going to be a, a great season to see some of this really fall into place with Campbell and all these young athletes pushing each other and then the development and the rise of some of the, the new women coming in into the team and into the sport. We're, we're really excited about that. Jack, can you update us on the uh, process with Campbell Wright in making that transition from New Zealand to the USA? I believe it's been approved by the IBU, but give us an update on where that stands. Yeah, there, there's there are multiple levels here. There's the the national federation level that needs to sort of initiate it and, and approve it. Then there's the international federation that has to get behind it and and approve it. Then the National or, uh, Olympic Committee, so the USOPC, and then uh, the Olympic, the New Zealand Olympic Committee has to approve it, and then it gets the final sign-off by uh, the IOC. So right now, everybody has has signed off on it, and it is waiting for basically a rubber stamp at the IOC executive board level, which I just learned today would be reviewing it on October 14th. So it keeps getting pushed out, but from what we understand, you know, all the all the critical parties have approved it and um, we're, we're looking forward to moving on. I, I will say we're really appreciative of the support that New Zealand Biathlon has provided. Campbell was an incredible athlete that, that rose up in their ranks and, um, you know, they, they, they did a great job in supporting him through his through his career and saw that you know there was an incredible opportunity for him to 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 join US biathlon and our team and uh, we're we're really excited to to see him succeed going forward and in some ways certainly represent team USA but he'll have he'll always have a i think a heart in New Zealand as well yeah, it was interesting to read the, the news coverage down in New Zealand this summer. I mean, it was a really big deal. So uh, welcome to the team, Campbell. Uh, I, you've talked a little bit here, Jack, about sport growth. And one of the things that most fascinates me are the steps that U.S. Biathlon is taking to really grow the sport, looking to recruit athletes, looking for advancement in club programs. Give us a little overview of the programs in particular that John Farah is, is managing to really help to grow the sport up from the grassroots. Yeah, so John joined uh, basically the same time I did. I think his first day and my first day were at that uh, was actually a board meeting in September, uh, last September. But um, Max had recruited John to come in, and really, he's the first person in in an official role of sport development. And his his role is a bit broad. It's it's supporting the grassroots and the clubs, as you mentioned. He spent 
a good deal of last season on the road, visiting clubs uh, throughout throughout the country, picking up targets at one place and delivering them to another. We received 10 laser rifles from the IBU for a tri-biathlon program that he ended up you know, delivering across the country. I think we put about 1,000 young athletes through a tri-biathlon program, and we're going to be doubling that this year. So John's in charge of that, really that grassroots fertilizing the base. But he, as you know, he comes from the, the Nordic, uh, from the cross-country background, being a, a, an Olympian himself, knows that cross-country community really well, and has done spent a lot of time developing a, a collaborative relationship with the coaches in that community and getting to know the athletes in the cross-country community. So that's really where our, our Project X program is, which is about introducing the, the cross-country community into biathlon and, and doing it in a way that is uh, additive as opposed to win-lose type of situation because we, we feel that there's, you know, to, to be a successful biathlete, you have to be a great cross-country skier. And we want to make sure and introduce this opportunity to as many of those athletes as possible. And, you know, John, John has a way about him. He's, he's the Pied Piper for us and has, has an incredible relationship and really, really well respected in that community. And that's what's helped us meet some of these, especially some of these young women on the, on the Project X program. We feel that there's a real opportunity in it. And it's a win-win for, for biathlon, for cross-country as well, by opening up, you know, the 33 medals that are available um, in biathlon to this broader community, you know, we're, and we're doing it in a way that is really going to the athletes and trying to work with them in a, in a way that allows them to still continue to pursue their goals that might be in, whether they're skiing and in college or have goals to, you know, do a, a cross country world cup. We want to try to support them in, in the way that's going to help them excel and achieve their goals. One of the things that has really struck me, and you've touched on this, is you've really seen acceptance from the cross-country community in working in a collaborative way on this. Yeah, I, I think you're right. There's, you know, still there's the the goal of excellence in, in that in that sport. I think John's approach of, hey, let me tell you what we're doing. Let me explain what the opportunities are. Let me show you how we're working, and we're going to be transparent in what we're doing. I think that's been really well received. And, you know, it's, it's happening in, in, at all levels of, of our sport as, as well as in the cross-country community. You know, John's working with the coaches and the athletes. Tim and Lowell are working with their counterparts um, on the high-performance side. And, you know, I've had some great discussions with, you know, the leadership at, at Ski and Snowboard about, you know, how can we collaborate together to both move forward? And, and then the USOPC is very in tune with the benefits of, of collaboration across winter sports. And they've been a big supporter of bringing all the winter NGBs together to explore ways that we can, we can collaborate and work together and leverage each other's ex expertise and resources and, you know, this is, it's one of those things where you got to take it a step at a time and, and show that there's going to be benefits and wins on both sides. And, and I think we're, you know, biathlon is in a great place to contribute to that approach. And it's a great attractive opportunity for additional pathway, if you will, for, for folks in the cross-country community. 
Jack, let's talk about the national footprint of biathlon. And one of the projects that you've been embarking on over the last few months is to look at expanding your footprint in the West. And uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, announcement you've just come out with this month relative to Utah. Yeah, we're we're really excited about that. So the uh, administrative office for biathlon has been in Maine, and that established, I think, 15 or 18 years ago as as the organization worked to expand biathlon and, and venues here in, in Maine. Uh, there was a lot of sort of local and state support for that, resulting in the, the venue and, and up at Fort Kent. That's That's been quite successful up there. We've got our nationals are going to be there this coming March. Um, but as we're seeing the growth of biathlon, we're seeing a lot of activity out west. And, you know, we've got Crosscut, which is up in Bozeman. We've got the new facility in, in Brilliant, Wisconsin, the Aaron's Nordic Center. There's obviously the, the great work that's being done in Soldier Hollow. And as we sort of evaluated where we would be most effective in you know, developing and supporting the grassroots of the sport, we felt that having a presence out west and developing relationships with the communities out there was going to be the most effective. And, uh, you know, we evaluated a couple of great, great venues, locations like Placid and, and Bozeman. You know, we, we've been very, very centric here in the in the Northeast, and we felt expanding our presence out West was going to be basically a, a win-win-win for everybody. It's going to be helpful in growing the sport. It's going to be helpful in promoting our, our communities out there, providing additional venues and resources for for athletes to to train um you know we think a partnership with the utah olympic legacy foundation and soldier hollow is going to be really powerful um, there's a lot of opportunity out there and and just building momentum and strength out there is only going to help what what's going to happen in lake placid or brilliant or alaska or or bozeman you know we're, we're really excited about it there's a there's a great community out there um that's Really excited to have us come. The uh, the community and the folks up in in Lake Placid are still critical. That's the you know the the home of the national team there and where we do all our training in the summer. That's not going to change. Uh, we feel if anything, we're going to be able to with the growing presence of biathlon, we're going to be able to get more events here. You know, we have to put bids in for uh, the next quad for World Cup and IBU Cup, and I think with you know a stronger presence out west. Plus our presence in in Lake Placid, we're going to have a lot more uh, success in, in bringing bringing some more events here. So I, th- I think it's going to be a, a really good benefit for the entire sport. Speaking of events, you have a World Cup coming this year in Soldier Hollow, right? We do. We're, we're really excited about that. The 8th through the 10th of March, uh, the world will be coming to, to our playground. And, um, you know, from what I understand, the, the event in 2019 was a, was a big success. People, the athletes uh, really enjoy coming to the United States. And uh, I'm excited. You know, we have ongoing calls and we're part of the, um, the organizing committee in, in Utah. Uh, and it's going to be, it's going to be great to a, have, have our, our office there newly established plus, you know, welcome the world to, to soldier hollow. And, um, and then from there they'll, they'll go on to, to Canmore up in Canada. So we think it's going to be a great end to the, the sort of cap for the season, uh, for biathlon and with some promotion and, and marketing, we're excited to bring more and more fans there and um, use it as an opportunity to really showcase this this incredible sport. 
it's it's been exciting out here in Utah to see biathlon the last few years. We had the para cross country and biathlon World Cup last year, Youth and Junior Worlds the year before that, and back in uh, four or five years ago we had the World Cup here. I I, I want to go back though and touch on Aaron's, which is one of your biggest sponsors, and I don't think we can say enough about what this partner has brought in. A lot of partners they'll write you a check, they'll get their brand up there, but this is a partner that's really engaged in the sport. Tell us a little bit more about the uh, the center that they've opened at their headquarters in Wisconsin. Yeah, they. I, I think they fell in love with the culture and saw the the natural fit of biathlon with, you know, their business, their values, and extending this relationship beyond just as you said a sponsorship and a partnership. They're they're looking at how biathlon and and cross country skiing can enhance their overall community. Um, you know, Brilliant and, and where Aaron's is, is a outside of suburb about an hour, I guess, from, from uh, Green Bay. You know, they're the largest employer there and their CEO of the organization, Dan Aaron's is, you know, really visionary and trying to think about how to build a really strong interconnected community and saw, you know, like a lot of people see sport as a really incredible way of doing that. And they built this phenomenal venue at the Aaron's Nordic Park uh, with a, you know, a 20 point range and cross country paved tracks and an incredible lodge. And they're, they're really investing in, in the sport. And I was honored to be part of a trip. They went up and visited uh, Dick and Judy in uh, Craftsbury just to see, you know, what, what they've done up there with their incredible, incredible program and venue and just to learn from that. And I think they, you know, we spent a day with them walking around and they had the opportunity to pick pick everybody's brains and take those lessons back and see how they could apply them in uh, in Brilliant. And, uh, you know, they're very, very open-minded about, about how to go about and do it. How can they learn from the stuff that's already been done? How can they learn from the community? And, you know, they're going to put their spin on it and their flavor, which is exactly uh, what they need to do. But, it, you know, it reminds me of the field of dreams, you know, build it and they'll come. And, and that's certainly what's happening there where um, they're, they're using it for all sorts of different um, events. But, you know, integral to all of them is cross-country skiing and, and biathlon. And it's a real I'm headed out there for a CEO event that, that Dan Aarons is hosting, which is be really exciting. And. You know, he brings his connection to the Green Bay Packers and professional sports in. And it's just this really wonderful melding of, you know, people passionate about sport and, you know, getting behind U.S. Biathlon, the U.S. Biathlon team and, and Team USA. Being a Wisconsin native myself, I completely get what they're doing. And, and uh, Dan is really an amazing leader. Have you been to a Packer game yet? I have not yet, but I'm going on the 24th, I think, of uh, of this month. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, that'll be a great experience. I have one more serious question, and then we'll get into some fun stuff to close. But just kind of looking back on what we talked about with the 2030 plan, a simple question that really probably has a, needs a lot of deep thought to it, but what's possible for U.S. biathlon? In my role and in, in the team here, I, I think the sky is the limit for us. You know, we have... We have the passion, we have the athletic base in winter sport. We we just have to remain focused. I think the opportunities for, you know, as, as we stated in our 2030 plan, we have a goal of a, an Olympic medal in 2026. That's the last first medal 
uh, for Winter Olympics, which is a really compelling and exciting goal. And we we're getting our donor community and our sponsors and and really our fan base really excited about that. It's something you can you know sink your teeth into. I truly believe that that's possible, and I think our our staff, our coaches, our high performance team all do as well. It's not going to come easy. Um, we've got to support the athletes, and they're they're committed to it. We've got the ingredients, and you know. But as with sport. There's always these unknowns, and we got to just keep pushing. That part of our plan is is clear. The pathway is there. We know what we need to do. You know, we've done a lot of research on where athletes are in their careers when they become a first-time Olympian, when they become a first-time medalist, um, and and we have athletes that are on that pathway, and we we believe that we can achieve that. You know, at the other end, the the grassroots side of things, the, the expansion of the sport, you know, our membership is growing 10 to 12 percent a year. There's a lot of interest in in expanding Nordic clubs to, to into offering, you know, biathlon opportunities. Um, so there's a lot of interest uh, at the grassroots level for uh, access to biathlon. And, you know, we talked about John earlier, but having somebody like him out in that role and supporting clubs as they look to grow their programming, supporting, you know, new clubs coming online. You know, I, I don't think we're going to see a, an Aaron's Nordic center pop up every year, but I think we will see, you know, communities that want to transition, you know, successful cross country and Nordic programs into including biathlon. And that's really what we want to do. It's, it's about, for us, it's about, I think, quality over quantity. You know, some of the metrics we've considered in our 2030 plan is, you know, do we want to grow our base of biathlon clubs by X? And yeah, we certainly want to provide and grow access, but I think it's more important that we do it in a, in a high quality and focused manner that provides incredible experiences um, you know, one one of the key things that's really important in underlying our our the success of our plan is is expanding coaching. That's something that's one of the other elements that that John is working on. We're putting our coaching courses online into a, a new easily accessible platform, which is going to be really helpful. So investing in coaching, investing in women coaching, uh, is really important, and that's that's one of those sort of critical success factors is if we're going to grow the sport and grow the base, we've got to have the mentors there to do that. We're spending a lot of time and that's again, a quality issue. And we want to make sure that we're bringing in good people, giving them good skills and putting them in the right places. Well, it's going to be a fun ride. And we want to close out this podcast as we always do on Heartbeat with our on-target section, a few hopefully simple questions for you to learn a little bit more about you, Jack. And to kick it off, and I know this is probably going to be a tough one for you, what's your favorite sport personally that you love to engage in? So can I pick one for summer and winter? I knew you were going to do that. So yeah, do well, it. Um, I'll, I'll always have an incredible love for sailing. So that that doesn't go away. Um, but I also really enjoy, uh, backcountry skiing and I've always been a big Alpine skier and I picked up ski touring about five years ago and, um, I, I really enjoy that. So that gets me a little bit into the, um, the cross country community, not exactly, but, uh, that's where I like to spend my time in the winter. Did you get out at Antholtz last year? I did. I actually, I, I brought my boots and one morning I went up passed over the lake and up into the pass over into Austria to look out over there and then back down. So I, I did get up. 
Jack, you've been involved in Olympic sport for about two decades now. It's been a long time. Is there one memory that you can think back on early in your career that kind of triggered the thought in you that, yeah, I want to be involved in Olympic sport? Yeah, I, I, I think there's a couple of things. And, and they, they touch on the bookends of, of sort of the responsibilities of the Olympic movement. Um, I just started, I'd been at U.S. Sailing for a couple of years. And you know, one thing about U.S. Sailing is that it's a really a broad organization with a lot of programming on the grassroots sport development side and, and a very smaller, much more focused component on the, the Olympic elite side. But in the 2004 games in Athens, we had a 470 men's team that were sort of in the last race. And the, um, the crew on the boat was a guy named Kevin Burnham, and he was 45 years old. And he and his skipper were up against, I think it was the Brits. And they, had to, they, they could finish anywhere in the fleet, but they had to be in front of the Brits. And they had this incredible tacking duel back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And this guy is twice the age of his competitors. And he just, just the determination and the grit was really impressive. And that to me was something that, that stuck with me. The guy is incredible, incredible athlete. His, his determination to see that through and the inspiration that that gave to the youth side of sailing was phenomenal. So that was one, one element. So on the, the inspiration, the pathway, you know, you put your mind to it, what you can accomplish was really powerful. And, and the second piece was one of the programs we developed at, at U.S. Sailing was, was at the other end of the spectrum, was really around sport development and, and using sport to inspire kids to be excited about learning. And I worked with a donor out in California named Jim Kilroy, who just he had this vision of investing in at-risk youth and using sport to inspire them to learn and to get into STEM careers. And just seeing some of these, the impact that this program had on bringing kids A, into the sport, and then seeing them as some of them transition through high school and into college and the success they had, again, was another example of the power of sport. And I think those two elements really, to me, cemented, you know, this is, this is a great place to work because you can have an incredible impact on, you know, I think society in general. I'm going to close it out with a question I often ask, and it tends to be the toughest one. You've got one year under your belt now, but if you look at biathlon, how would you describe it in just one word? No, something that comes to me is just hope. I think that here in the U.S., there's an incredible opportunity for us, and the future is is really bright. And I don't, I, I look at it in the sort of the world that we're living in, and there's just so much positivity around what we're doing, and I guess ho hope and inspiration um, is sort of what hits me about it right now. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, I'll take that one. No, it does, and I'll take it one step forward. It's belief. Yeah, you know, it's. It's more than hope, it's even belief. Jack Gearhart, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us on Heartbeat. We look forward to the coming season and taking us up to 2030. Thank you, Tom. It's been a great conversation, really enjoyed it, and um, looking forward to this next season and beyond. Jack, thanks for taking the time to talk to Heartbeat today. It is definitely an exciting period in time for U.S. biathlon, that's for sure. We look forward to the coming years with a strong strategic plan in place for the sport. 
Heartbeat is brought to you by U.S. Biathlon and its dedicated team of sponsors. A special thanks to Aaron's, the King of Snow, Maloya, outfitting the U.S. Biathlon team, and Paul Smith's College, offering education and sport training in the heart of New York's Olympic region. And a shout out to all of U.S. Biathlon sponsors, including Maloya, Aaron's, Paul Smith's College, Auto Aider, Lapua Ammunition, Rain, Pure Mountain Spring Water, and Polar Beverages. That's it for this episode of Heartbeat. If you can, give us a review or hit the favorite button so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes as we continue to tell the stories of the people behind Biathlon. I'm Tom Kelly, your host for Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon podcast. We'll see you again soon.